Hello and welcome to series two of the Learning and Development Challenges podcast. Adam here is your guide and in this series we're looking at how to better engage frontline or deskless workers with learning. Today we're talking with Nicola Manuel, Learning and Development Manager for Clean Linen Services. Now Nicola's worked in a development role for the last 30 years across various industries, starting as an outdoor activity instructor to qualifying in sports management. Within a few years, she moved from the physically active sports world into a business role and delivered computer software training. Nicola enjoys being a coach and a trainer using technology and traditional methods to help individuals grow within themselves and through their organizations. Nicola, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Let's start off with a bit of context, if that's all right. Can you just take us through what Clean Linen Services does and maybe a bit of your kind of responsibilities where you fit within the within the organisation? Sure. So Clean Linen Services is a commercial laundry. That means that we do flat work, so bedding, table linen, towels, that side of things, as well as uniforms. So that would be workwear, be it road workers, manufacturing or chef's wear. So we rent that, we wash it. You're probably the best way to describe us is like that secret fairy. You dump all the dirty stuff, somebody magically cleans it, potentially repairs it if it's uniform and returns it to you all nice and ready to go. Brings it back. Yeah. And you're doing this in the commercially. So we're talking hotels, factories, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Completely. Yes. And spas and all these other nice things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. You're the magic fairies that come wash clean and fold and iron, I imagine, all of the necessary stuff for those businesses. Completely, yeah. Brilliant. Your role within that, so you're in learning and development. What are your kind of key or day-to-day responsibilities there? So I oversee all learning and development, if you like, for the business. However, my role is more around personal development or some business requirements. So I'm gatekeeper for anything that's learning and development using external resources. It's a cost thing to come past me. I look after anything that's apprenticeship related. But we also have health and safety and transport departments. And the team there also support with training. So most of the stuff for those sides of it fall under them. It just sort of gets a nod in my direction. Got you, got you. So yeah, you're basically covering all areas of the business, both the kind of back office and operational stuff. That's the... Yeah, Yeah. brilliant. Let's dive straight into what we want to talk about today, because A, this is a fascinating business, and B, it's definitely a learning and development challenge with a business with so many moving parts like this. So what's your current approach for your kind of frontline or your your deskless staff? What do you do right now? (laughs) So, I mean, we have seven sites, and the people on the production floor or in the hubs or driving, they don't have computers, they don't have desks. And then we obviously have central teams where you have things like sales or what we have call asset managers, and they also don't have desks. So for most of those sorts of teams where we are doing some form of development, most of it will be on the job, in all honesty. And that's probably not much different to any other organisation. We have things like Toolbox Talks or apprenticeships that obviously support that, and that might cross over between sort of face-to-face or online. There's webinars. I like face-to-face, you know, online world or or in classroom. We've got online and then obviously wonderful podcasts, which means that you can be in a car and still be learning. Brilliant, brilliant. And what's the current split then of, you mentioned face-to-face a bit there, what's the current split of in-person versus digital? And I guess digital could be a webinar, podcast, piece of e-learning, compliance, all that kind of stuff. Face-to-face stuff is even online. So yeah, 90% of it, I would say for our production, drivers, 
sort of a team level downwards, if you like. So they're the majority of people who would be in person because it's the day-to-day ongoing stuff or the in-the-now need information. It could be some of the compliance, but when we talk compliance of that nature, it's more health and safety or transport compliance. Then for the rest, I would say it's probably a 70-30 split. So still predominantly face-to-face. However, it could be online face-to-face like we're doing, or it could be in-house or externals coming in and doing some deliverables. And some of that is still going to be maybe online, but it's a really small percentage. Okay, cool. So a little bit more online for some of those. More desk-based. More desk-based staff versus your in-person, but still 90% face-to-face on the job. And I guess also just because of the kind of jobs they're doing, a lot of it is the it's something you've got to show someone, you know, you can't really necessarily have a digital asset to explain how to use one of the big machines that you guys use. I don't know. I think you could do it all digitally, you know, across the industry. Yes, you're right. It's a practical based job. It's the way the majority of people enjoy learning or know how to learn because of the jobs they do. We also have a huge language challenge. So actually for us, you know, with the wide variety of languages, you, if you're going to convert into another language, you maybe need like 50 odd languages converted, which is a ridiculous number. That's never going to happen. But you will always have two or three people on the production floor who speak the same language. Very rarely is that not the case. So they would want to then maybe do it in English, but be able to translate it so that the person understands in their own language as well. So that's mainly the reason probably for it being more on, on the floor, in person, rather than walking around with a tablet trying to look and see marry things up. Yeah. And I guess you're getting that kind of colleagues passing information and knowledge to other colleagues in informal and formal scenarios. So someone being asked to train someone, but also just the whole, oh, how do you do this again? Or what's the best way to do X, Y, and Z? And that kind of informal stuff happening all the time with that kind of role. Yes, definitely. Definitely more so in the production floor side of things than maybe with our drivers where that they don't tend to be around other people. A much more isolated role, isn't it? Because by the very nature of your job, you're yeah, sat by yourself all day <laughs> type of thing. Cool. So what's working? What's going well at the moment with the various programs and initiatives and things that you, you have in place? What would you say has taken off over the last few years or seems to be impacting positively? I mean, I would say it all works. It, it's very much based to the measurement side of things. So, you know, what's working effectively or efficiently is a completely separate conversation to what works. You know, everything works for the business. Sometimes things have to be what I would call dirty, i.e. they're not polished, they are they're in the moment or they're quickly put together because you have a need. And then you develop that and make it look a bit smoother and a bit neater. Things that have taken off, I would say for our, our side of the business, not necessarily for an industry, is more of the management training. So I've only been with the business for three years. But before that, we might have used external resources and tagged it onto other things. Or it would have been, you know, the skills you develop by watching somebody else or being put into that situation and learning. So for us, we have some very definite programs in place to support our team leaders and now our managers of departments or operations side of things and around other areas of the business just to be able to give them some of the skills and the knowledge what to do in this situation and hopefully it will never arise type ones through to you probably already know how to deal with this so let's give you some other tools to be able to manage that properly as well as things like the legal complexities and around HR just sometimes those things that you miss along the way or you might not see in action because of what they are we try and support them a bit more with those. 
Yeah, well, with those, you, it's something like outlier scenarios, isn't it, that you that don't happen often, but then when they do happen, you're like, okay, yeah, people need to know how to deal with that and how to respond to that type of Completely. thing. Completely. And, you know, the best thing for that is role play. Everybody's favourite and worst phrase all in once. Nobody ever wants to hear that in training, but, you know, it's the best way to get that muscle memory, that practice experience in what would be considered a safer environment. So, yeah, I, I'm all for role play, unfortunately, for my teams. I was going to, my next question was going to be, how do you deliver it? So the leadership programs in particular, role play, I, I guess then it's an in-person element. Is there any digital offline written element as well? Or how does that work? So for us, for the management stuff, we use a broad spectrum. So some of it's video related. There's some good podcasts out there that we tap into. There's books. So I tend to suggest things like Ken Blanchard, Stephen Covey as books, as good resources to go to, as well as a few others. It's in person, senior members of our leadership team or business come and support. And then the rest is sort of experiential. That might be as part of discussions that the teams have and learning from each other. That could be us giving them tasks to do or setting them up with games or that role-playing scenario. So the rest is all experiential. Plus then they have reflection sheets. So we aren't necessarily very good. We're very reactionary. We're not very good sometimes unless it's inbuilt in you as an individual to do that reflection piece. And that's sometimes where the best learning comes from. So I did this. How else could I have done it? If I had done it this way, what do I think the outcome might have been? Or was I in a wrong mindset maybe when I entered this? And how could I change that? And then if you're in a safe enough space to be able to have that conversation or change it, right? I also use mentors. So you know, across our senior management program, it's that thing of if you get it wrong, you have somebody you can go and talk to and say, look, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. Give me a helping hand. I've got the theory. I've tried it in practice, but it's all fallen apart. You know, what's the response? How do I work with it? Brilliant. That's a really comprehensive approach, actually. I'd say that's a like a, a really full rounded blend of different tools, almost pulling out the toolkit there to execute on that program. The reflection bit I really love because I find it so difficult to naturally reflect you just kind of i'm one of these people that is i get one thing done and i'm on to the next thing straight away and my mind switches very quickly and then that six i'm about kind of you know powering through a to-do list but where you do take the time to look back and self-analyze or have others help you analyze that's where you really uncover better ways of doing things or you know where where i guess real creativity can can come from as well in terms of you know is there a is there a stronger way to do this? Is there a better way to approach it? What could we do next time that would be better? Yeah, completely. I'm naturally more of a reflector than let's get going. If I've got a long to-do list, I can quickly switch it. So I just want to be banging through them. But at the end of the day, I will have sat down and had several minutes of thinking around, oh, what might I need to redo because I've rushed through it? And the industry itself is quite reactive because obviously, you know, what with COVID and everything coming since, we don't always have the luxury of being able to sit there and think about the proactive side of things you know if something goes wrong you've got to do yeah and it's quite a high time pressure business as well isn't it because you're picking up sheets from a hotel or whatever and they need to be back within x amount of time and there's very little leeway in terms of missing deadlines and stuff like that there so yeah i mean it it, it should be that the way we work it is that you have some on the shelf some on the bed some in travel some in machine if you like so this should always be enough, but it's never that simple. Between COVID and resource issues when all the factories got turned off and there not being enough linen out there at the time, it's put a lot of pressure on the business to be trying to 
get through that workload. It's a harder business, I think, than what was pre-COVID, not that I knew it then, but from what I've heard. We heard. Wow. Okay, cool. Let's talk about some of the challenges or some of the barriers to engaging these different groups in training. And I think especially people that are on the floor, the drivers, things like that. What are the issues you've come up against in terms of trying to engage them with learning? I would love to say it's entirely different to every organization I've worked in, but it's the standard top ones like, you know, there's not enough time. There's never enough time to do anything. And that might be people's individual time. But when you talk about drivers or production, their time is doing a set task. So you can't take a driver off for a couple of hours just to give them some training. You either have them out all day or it's these challenges. Resource, you know, personal resource, tablets, if we were to do online learning, space, meeting rooms. You know, most of our factories don't have lots of space where you can go and do lots of training. So they're some of the things. And then I mentioned language earlier. So you've got the language and cultural barriers that you know, can cause challenges both from a understanding. So we've been running English lessons to try and help people. And that's, you know, not just understanding the training or everyday world, but the world outside of our business. We then have that challenge on topics. You know, I can safely say legislative compliance is not the most exciting topic that I have to deliver. Trying to find unique ways to engage people, connect with them, help them understand why it's important. And to keep me interested enough so that it doesn't sound like I'm just a robot. All of those things are challenges to people wanting to learn and be engaged and connect to it. You know, how we deliver it face to face is the way that most people know, you know, in doing practical exercise. And then when you start to get to management, it's more screen time. And with COVID, everybody, suddenly this whole online world reappeared or tripled in size. But lots of people haven't necessarily moved with it. And some things aren't so easily transferable. So you mentioned like, you know, standing in front of an iron or working on a machine. Actually, yes, you can learn the theory and you might get to see how it's done, but you don't get the practice unless you're using VR headsets. And VR is not at a cost price yet where, you know, you can just push that out there in the same way you can a mobile phone or a laptop for people to learn. So, you know, it's lots of things. And probably overkill in your business. Like I can see the value in VR if you are a oil company and instead of flying people out to a rig to do training, you can have them sat in an office somewhere with a headset on getting a kind of similarish experience. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you've got every learning and development manager I ever speak to has budget constraints and is trying to do a lot with a little. And, you know, that in-person experience isn't a difficult one to replicate because you can walk into one of your locations and look at a machine and talk through it and train on it. Yeah, it's not necessary. I think there's some digital interventions that are just, they add value in certain fields and in others, they just, like you say, they make no sense at the moment. I think where there's a huge safety impact. So for me, the, the areas I could see it is where we don't have the luxury of putting somebody brand new onto a piece of equipment and we want to show them or where one of the washers so it's not like a washing machine you have in your kitchen or in your utility room it's like a big tunnel and sometimes they get blocked and they need people to go in and pull all of the stuff out so sometimes maybe seeing that and working through that that would be the only time for us i really could see that being of any benefit so safety issues i can see but yeah yeah if there's a safety issue that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah instead of throwing someone in at the deep end type thing yeah i guess <laughs> Brilliant. And then in terms of the um, your deskless staff and digital, when stuff does happen there, what does happen? Is it getting tablets out to people? Is it putting stuff on their phones? Or how do you deliver anything, anything digital to that group? Or do you just try and stay clear of digital because it's too much of a hurdle? 
So I think we need to be very mindful of when we say deskless, there are there are those who will have laptops and computers because their role is of a level where that's required. It's just they don't have a desk and they spend more time traveling that they probably won't be sat like I would be in front of my screen all the time. So those guys will have the access to the online learning. We will push stuff digitally to them in that same way. When we talk about desk and if you like deviceless staff, we're talking about our production operatives and that sort of level have access to tablets or computers or laptops, but it's normally shared. So if you imagine there's 100 people, then there's one item. So, you know, it's either a collective session or it would be very much an individual and allocated time. Our LXP that we use enables us to be able to issue information to learners on their own personal email address and you can download the app. So if you wanted to, you could access it on a personal phone or a personal tablet or a personal laptop and still have access to the information. We would just are very mindful that that's not necessarily in work time. I believe learning is for life and not just for the length of our lives, but for everything. So in our LXP, we don't just have business learning information. We have things like child CPR. All of this stuff that we might as individuals want to learn, because I think that's really important that people have life learning. However, I'm just very mindful of the fact that if we're asking them to do business stuff, ideally it's within business time, hopefully using business resource which is always easier said than done, of course. It's a really tricky one, isn't it? And I've spoken to a lot of businesses about this, actually. And some are one end of the spectrum where they're like, well, no, we, you know, our people work long days. And if they want to fit learning in around it, then they do it in their own time. And I want to enable that. And I'll be honest with you, that tends to be businesses that are like management consultancies or, you know, those kind of very high pressure environments and then other businesses we talk to it's like we cannot ask anyone to do any learning in their own time i always feel like the right answer is somewhere in the middle because there's always going to be people that are a bit more yeah you know what i want to forward my career i want and i'm happy to do stuff in my own time and as a business if you can provide them with those opportunities to go and do it and take that and you know listen to something on their own device or watch something on their own device that really helps retain them and all the rest of it but at the same time you've got to be super clear that it's not an expectation that after their 10-hour shift they then have to go and do another two hours of learning i think the key word you used was opportunity for me it's about making sure that the opportunity is there and you know for those who are driven or they want the information on a specific topic they have the option you know, anybody comes to me and says, look, Nick, I really want to know more about this. How can I do that? What can I do? I'll always provide them with multiple different ways that they could maybe get that information. Unless it's something I'm personally delivering. And even most of the courses I personally deliver, I give what we call homework, i.e. you have to do it when you're not in the classroom, hopefully not quite as bad memory as school days. But, you, you know, you need to go and do some self-learning. It doesn't come, even if the self-learning is doing it, getting it wrong, and that reflection piece, 10 minutes a day of reflecting on that is self-learning. And for me, that, that opportunity has to be there. Everybody needs to make the opportunities for them to get to where they want to get to. It doesn't get handed to us on a plate, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, you're right. It's that getting that balance, isn't it? And making sure that there is enough there for people that want it and that there's stuff to push them and keep them going. And yeah, without being too, I guess, prescriptive or edging into people's personal time. 
too much. Yeah, interesting one. So we've talked about devices. You mentioned Alex P. Who do you use? You're allowed to shout it out or what's the... Uh... <laughs> we use Bridge as our main platform, although we have other elements of software. So we use Litmos where we take their content and we put it on. We create our own content using authoring tools like Domo and that sort of thing. So we're open to lots of information. Assemble you. Obviously, the podcast grouping, we've got access links in there for people to go and listen to information. So it's really important that the LXP has the opportunity to offer all sorts of learning for all sorts of people. Yeah, that's it. I, I like the LXP kind of model and being able to surface different stuff for different, yeah, different groups, different pathways, all the rest of it. Fantastic. And moving on to your, we talked about quite a bit about, I guess, some of the non-mandated learning what what's your current mix out of interest of mandated versus non-mandated in terms of this is really difficult actually i don't know if you'd measure this by like hours learning or just about a quant quantity of content that you'd have but i'm i'm always intrigued as to like where that sits and it varies massively by industry by the way depending on how regulated your industry is there's that and it depends for us very much on our role so for somebody who's a production operative stood in front of an ironer Actually, beyond the safety requirements, so there is some mandatory statutory stuff they need to understand, but that's probably about it when it comes to the legislative compliance. And when I say legislative, it's like whistleblowing, GDPR. We will give them that, but that's in a toolbox talk way, so it's a, it's a 15, 20-minute conversation. Now, they're all things that as a business we say you they need to have an understanding of, either to protect themselves or to protect us as a business. Would they get maybe some of the other opportunities? Yes, they probably get every day on the job type learning, more so than somebody like myself or a senior leader, where our, our learning time is probably more selective and based more on the developmental course stuff. Of course, we're learning all day, every day, but it's in a very different environment. Obviously, we finance will have the legislative aspects. They will have stuff, health and safety, and drivers will have mandatory statutory training that they need to have. So I'm not sure I could give you a, it's an X amount, so many hours a week, so many hours a year. It's probably not that simple an answer for us to be able to give you. We, you know, there are people within our teams who maybe want to develop themselves or have more responsibility. So, for example, manual handling, well, Beyond the basic training of understanding how to appropriately lift or manoeuvre things, that's all they need to do. However, the moment that you start sharing that knowledge with somebody else and you use that as somebody's development so that they start to learn more responsibility or increase their role, then there's new or additional training from a mandatory statutory point that they need to do. So all of those things start to then increase, obviously, the amount and that would maybe happen on an annual or every three year basis. So, yeah, I don't think we can quite some rubber stamp it in the same way yeah no i need a uh, need a better question i think probably <laughs> <laughs> thanks for trying to answer it anyway i appreciate that final question actually for me today we'll be asking everybody in the series this question um, and that is what's your top tip for anyone going into learning and development with a deskless workforce so what would you tell either your younger self or someone coming into your department or something like that God, i wish i could have talked to my younger self wow that's hard and it's hard to select give them the lottery numbers first of all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to select just the, the one my biggest tip would be you know try and individualize training as much as possible so it's really hard and it's really hard when you're talking about development for thousands of people in a company and you oversee all of it. But sheep dip doesn't work. Now, that learning 
when I mentioned opportunities earlier, it's more about that providing plenty of opportunity for different ways to learn it might be the same information, but the person can adapt that learning for them. And with modern technology today, if you can make use of it, obviously, there's always a cost around that, or you can utilize what's there to the best of the ability to allow the learner to pick their own journey. For me, that's the best thing anybody in L&D can do. Brilliant. So yeah, don't cheap tip, personalize as much yeah. and individualize as much as possible. Definitely. Great, great tip. Fantastic. Nicola, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciated you coming on and sharing a bit about what you're doing and what Clean Linen Services are up to as well. It's been a fascinating conversation. And yeah, we'll be back very soon with another episode for series two. And we hope you'll join us for that as well. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.